Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFiera, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good uh, on this fine Sunday night. Always love Sundays because we get to record early thanks to Sunday Night Baseball starting at around 7 or 8. So, yeah, all the games done by 10 o'clock on the East Coast, which, which LJ, uh, I'm certainly not complaining about. No, I'm not complaining. However, I was just discussing this with my mom earlier. How much good does it really do us? Like, so, of course, if we'd been, if I'd been more motivated, we probably could have started by, like, 11. And yeah. uh, we could have been do- done recording by two, by midnight. By about if now, I go to yeah. bed, what? I said like yeah. by about now. Yeah, because it's midnight. Yeah. So if I were to try to go to bed in like 15, 20 minutes, there's no way I sleep. That's like saying to a person who normally goes to bed at 11, you have to go to bed at 8 and you have to go fall asleep. Like, it's just not going to happen. So it doesn't net me that much, but you're right. It's, it's nice to get it out of the way. It's nice to not feel like you're avoiding work through the yeah. entire evening. Absolutely. So uh... let's, let's avoid work no longer. We got quite a few games on the docket today, and then we'll be doing some injury 
report stuff, talking about some of the big players here. But let me get things started with the Cardinals and the Padres. Nolan Arenado hit a two-run piece in the first inning. The Cardinals could only score one more run in the game. A four-run bottom of the fourth for San Diego, one for them. The final, 5-3 Padres. Give the win to Denilson Lamette coming in after Ryan Weathers' start. The loss will be given to Kwan Young Kim, who went three and the third, allowing one earned run. And the save will go to Mark Melanson, his 14th on the year. Today, the Padres start a series with the Colorado Rockies. Yes, this Cardinals-Padres game was Sunday night baseball. Uh, I was able to watch a pretty good part of this game, uh, about the first through sixth innings. Then I uh, had to finish up some work, and I was able to watch the last couple innings. So, um, yeah, once again, another Sunday night baseball game that was a high-quality game between two teams who entered this game with the same record. Uh, you know, we did see quite a bit of star power in in a, Arenado and, of course, Manny Machado. Uh, Fernando Tatis was not playing tonight, but um, yeah, it was a really good game. I like the way ESPN had their presentation tonight. Overall, uh, a, a lot better commentary, I think, tonight than they have done in weeks past. You know, they got to talk to Blake Snell, talk to Jack Flaherty, and those are the interviews that you just absolutely love. I mean, there was a conversation between A-Rod and Blake Snell when they were talking about one of the times when a Blake Snell faced A-Rod. So, I mean, the, that's the kind of, uh, you know, uh, chatter that you can't really get anywhere else. So the fact that they're able to tie these interviews in with the game is awesome. And LJ, me and you were talking about it last week, how they do the pitch sequence. They were very frequently uh, showing that on the screen tonight, which I absolutely love to see, you know, what kind of pitches were thrown uh, during that bat. So uh, overall, really impressed with ESPN tonight. And I, I don't usually say that. Yeah, I think they need to go even further with this, in my opinion. But I'm not sure how much further they can go and still keep the like integrity of the game. I should start by saying... Their spring training coverage is fantastic. I love it. The amount of up-close and personal experience you get is brilliant. Again, I know you're not going to be able to do the on-field stuff where you're talking to a guy on the field during a regular season game. You can only get that in the exhibition stuff. I get that. I I don't want that because I don't want guys distracted out there while they're trying to play ball. But there's so much more to what they're able to cut. Uh, cover in spring training than they are during the regular season. I wish we could get closer to spring training, but I just don't, I don't quite know where the line is and I don't, I'm afraid to cross it. Yeah. You know, I certainly think that the way that they did it tonight or the way that they uh, usually do it is they interview one of the top starting pitchers on each team. And then they're also able to chat with the manager for a, a little bit, which, uh, you know, I've never been a big fan of them talking to a manager while the game is going on. I just think it's, you know. The- I think baseball works differently with that just because, yes, the manager is an integral part of the team at all points in time. However, with baseball, if you're having a five-minute conversation with a guy, that's only part of a half inning. Yeah. So the within reason – most scenarios, especially the ones they choose to do, if they, especially if they do it like early game, 
there's not going to be a major decision that this guy has to do while, especially like, let's say it's the third inning and his team's on defense. There's not going to be a major decision that hasn't already been predetermined before the inning starts that this, that guy's going to have to make. So it's not nearly as invasive as it is in say stuff like basketball. Like it drives me nuts in basketball when they pull a coach in the beginning of the third or the end of the third quarter. So he doesn't get to have the long time out to talk to his team. He has to rely on the assistant coaches all because the media wants to be able to pick his brain in the middle of the game. So he doesn't get to talk and speak with his players as much as he could in one of the more crucial segments of the game. I don't think it's nearly to that extent of weight that the manager carries within that five minute, five minute segment in baseball compared to five minute segment in basketball. Yeah. uh, I agree with that. Uh, Yeah. I certainly don't like the way that they do it for the NBA. Like I, I can't even imagine like as a NFL fan that we, that we both are like, uh, LJ picture Bill Belichick there you're heading into the fourth quarter it's a tied game and you know all he cares about is just coaching and winning games he's not a big you know fan of this whole media covers everything imagine them trying to pull him aside in between the third and fourth quarters for an interview like while during the middle of the game it just it wouldn't happen two things Brandon first off he wouldn't answer the question he just wouldn't answer them he would probably pretend they don't exist. The other thing is, no disrespect meant to him, love Bill Belichick, but odds are he'll be pretty ha- he would be pretty happy to have more cameras on on opposing team sidelines. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. Yeah. Jeez, I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> well, let's move on to the second game as LJ is put here in our show document, the Yankees taking on the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees scored four runs in the top of the first, thanks to home runs from L Gary, Gary Sanchez and Clint Frazier top three. Aaron judge stays white hot with his 12th home run of the year, his fourth in three days to make it five, two Yankees. The Orioles would score three in the bottom of the third and one in the top of the fourth to take the lead 6-5 on Michael Franco and Trey Mancini doubles. In the bottom of the seventh, Michael Franco with another hit, this time a two-run home run to make it 8-5 Baltimore. The Orioles go on to win 10-5. Yankees bullpen kind of lets them down. Kind of a dud start from Jordan Montgomery today as well. Give the win to Bruce Zimmerman. Uh, now two and three on the year. He was the follower uh, and he allowed five and two thirds, or he went five and two thirds innings in relief, two hits, one run and six strikeouts. The loss to Michael King, 0 and one now on the year, two innings, two hits and one run for him. Jordan Montgomery, who got the start for the Yankees, uh, three innings, six hits and five runs. The Yankees take two out of three. They've won 11 out of 15, which is the best mark in the league over that time span. Baltimore has today off, and then they host the Rays. The Yankees travel to Texas to take on the Rangers, and it will be Garrett Cole versus Jordan Lyles. Next up, we got the Angels and the Red Sox. The Angels got on starter Nathan Eovaldi for early for three runs, trailing 4-1 in the fifth. Kevin Ploiecki hit a solo piece 
followed later that inning by a three-run piss missile to right field by Rafi Devers to take the lead. This lead was held until the ninth inning when with two outs and one runner on, Matt Barnes allowed a home run to Shohei Otani, which won the game. Give the win to Rossiel Iglesias, the loss to Matt Barnes, and the save to Mike Mayers, his second of the year. The Angels will play the Indians today. Yeah, LJ, I, I looked up who the owner of the Boston Red Sox was, and I'm not sure why some guy who's, who's a nickname is Showtime popped up. Uh, he can apparently pitch and hit. Uh, they're calling this guy the next Babe Ruth. I'm not sure if you've heard about him, but uh, rumor has it he took one of the best closers in the league deep with two outs today. Well, um, Brandon, you're really desperate here. You obviously, you obviously have gotten very stressed out with the fact that your precious Yankees aren't in the lead yet. If you're really going to overreact to one swing in one game that was actually mattered. I mean, realistically, yes, that is two homers in the series for Shohei Otani. However, it, it's it's a team game, and he didn't he didn't bring up those hits when the team could win in the last ones. He has overall, yes, he won one game. However, that is not nearly ownership style. Brandon is stretching this out just to make himself feel better. Brandon, I'm sorry you have to feel this way, but you'll get better soon, buddy. Wow. Tough. Real tough. Under the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Toronto scored seven runs in the first two innings. They got home runs from Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette. They also got RBI doubles from Vladdy Jr. and Randall Gritchick. Top fifth and top sixth, Philly scores four runs, getting two home runs from Nick Maton and one from Andrew McCutcheon. The Phillies offense would battle and get close, but the Blue Jays pull away thanks to a late Vladdy Jr. home run. They win 10-8. The win to Robbie Ray, five and two-thirds, seven hits, four runs, and nine Ks. Chase Anderson of Philadelphia takes the loss, now two and four on the year, one and a third, Eight hits and seven runs, a blow-up start for him. Toronto takes two out of three from Philadelphia. Both teams will have the day off. Toronto hosts Boston and Philly hosts Miami starting on Tuesday. Next, we got the Giants and the Pirates. Uh, This game was headlined by a great day by Alex Wood and a two-run piece by Mikey Yaz. Wood's only run allowed came off a sack fly in the fourth inning. The Giants split this series with the Pirates with this 4-1 Giants win. Give the win to Alex Wood. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Mitch Keller, who went five innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts. Brandon, would you say this is the bad beat of the evening? Uh, You know, I haven't been able to really look at a lot of lines I didn't see a lot I mean I have looked at a lot of lines I should say I haven't seen a lot that are this bad but you know he does only go five innings but eight strikeouts is very impressive uh you know I might say bad beat of the evening especially because if Mitch Keller gets this win and the Pirates win they would take three out of four from the Giants right so yeah, I mean again, this is this isn't the worst spot, but it's not the best spot the Giants could be in coming out of this series. 
they need, they're desperate, in desperate need to prove themselves and get some confidence up and momentum going with this 500 Cincinnati Reds team that they'll be taking on next. Because if they don't have that, if they're not able to carve out at least another game, things are going to get dicey between them and the Dodgers real quick in this upcoming series. If you're the Giants, you would like to have that three-game lead going into the series. So no matter what, you're, you, you can be swept and be in second by a tiebreaker. That is a fairly good position to be in going into the first leg of your month series with the Dodgers, which will all end by the time the race to Memorial Day ends. So we will certainly be looking out for that. I mean, I think that's going to really set the tone for who stands where in this NLS this year. If San Francisco can really stand up to these giant, or yeah, if San Francisco can stand up to themselves against the Reds, they'll be uh, in a good position to make some noise with the Dodgers and keep them on their toes for the rest of the season. But yeah, I mean, really, this could have been a huge spot for the Pirates to get themselves some clout. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to go. But yeah, I mean, I think I can't see a line here of a loss that is worse than this one. I mean, you almost, you're one, eight strikeouts is one strikeout away from having handled three out of the five innings himself entirely. So five innings, six innings, Either way, I mean, he's one of the few guys to not get a win today that only allowed two or less runs, or three or less runs. Most of them were shelled today. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to the Cubs and Tigers. In the top of the fourth, Ian Happ would double to give the Cubs a 2-0 lead. Top six, the Cubs score three. They got a David Bodie double and then an Ian Happ homer to make it 5-0. Chicago cruises to a 5-1 to one win. You can give that win to Kyle Hendricks, now 3-4 and four on the year. Eight innings, eight hits, one run, and eight Ks for him. The loss to Matthew Boyd, now 2-4 and four on the year. Six innings, six hits, four earned, and eight Ks. The Cubs take two out of three from the Detroit Tigers. And they will play the Nationals today. John Lester facing Adbert Alzale. The Tigers travel to Seattle. Casey Mize and Yusei Kikuchi will face off. All right, next we got the Braves and the Brewers. The Brewers got five runs off of Huascar Yanoa, including the finisher, a two-run piece by Garcia of Milwaukee. The Brewers add three runs in the sixth and outlasted a late comeback by Atlanta to win 10-9. Give the win to Freddie Peralta. He went six innings of shutout balls, eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Huascar Yanoa. He went four and a third, allowing five earned runs and six strikeouts. The save will go to Josh Hader, his ninth. The Braves move on to the Mets today after nearly stealing one back in three innings from Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, this was such a weird game because you get that start from a Freddie Peralta, who has been outstanding this year, and no earned runs through six innings, and you end up allowing nine runs. Like, that's 
crazy, especially for a, a Brewers bullpen that has been so good, even outside of the two main guys we talk about in Josh Hader and, and a Devin Williams. They have guys like JP Fireisen, who's been very good. Uh, and of course, they've had excellent starting pitching. So yeah, very strange to see them allow nine runs in three innings. All right, on to the Mets and the Rays. The Rays scored four across the fourth and fifth innings. They got home runs from Manny Margot and Willie Adamas. Top six, Patrick Mazika, our guy who uh, had, what was it, two walk-off hits and still, or two walk-off fielder's choices and still hadn't had an MLB hit. Ooh. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. And he gets his first career hit today. It's a home run to put the Mets on the board. Woo! My Tampa, boy. <laughs> Tampa would get runs late from a G-Man Choi double. They run away with a 7-1 to one win. You can give that win to Josh Fleming, now 3-3 three and three on the year. Five innings, one hit of scoreless ball, striking out five for him. Very nice start. The loss to Marcus Stroman, who started off really hot and is now three and four. Six innings pitched, six hits, five runs, and only one strikeout for him. The Rays, LJ, if you remember the Mets last week, had a very, very good week. We talked about it on Thursday because we were like, hey, they haven't lost since last week. Well, the Rays sweep the Mets. The Rays have won 10 out of 15. They have the day off, and then they'll face the Orioles Tuesday. The Mets go to Atlanta today. Taiwan Walker will take on Max Freed. We are currently seeing, again, we will go much more in depth in looking at standings trends when we get closer to that Memorial Day march that we talk a lot about, or at least I talk a lot about. But looking at it now, we are seeing both of the scenarios that we talked about this entire time in the two best divisions all around. I mean, I think we can both agree that the two Easts are the best divisions in baseball right now, NL and AL. You've got the NL, who can can't can barely win a game. I mean, their best team is two games above 500 right now. So no one is winning games there, despite being very, very talented rosters. And then you've got the AL East, where everyone is winning games. You've got three teams with, that are four games above 500 or more currently where they sit. You have four teams that all have winning records in their last 10 games. This is just, this is a very impressive, um, what am I trying to say? Not dyad, but like opposite sides of the coin mm. with the NL and AL East being very talented divisions and showing the two opposite effects that we discussed or before the season started. Well, in the, in the NL East this year, as of right now, only two of the teams are over 500, that, that being the Mets and the Phillies. 
and only one team has a positive run run differential, and that's the Marlins at plus five. All the other teams in the NL East have a negative run run differential, which I guess you could say, you know, that they have been been beating up on each other, but the Mets to go and get swept by Tampa, I mean, you already figured that they're going to be losing quite a few games against the four teams that they have to play in the NL East. You can't really be dropping series this bad to outset, you know, teams that are not in the NL East, especially because it is so competitive. And I think well, that it's a really winnable series for the Mets and to get swept is honestly embarrassing. I'm going to call it embarrassing. In their defense, you talk about it. They are playing the race. They are playing the team that just went to the World Series from the American League. The other thing is with the wacky way that the uh, league did the scheduling this year, the majority of the series so far that have been out of division, it feels like almost all of the interleague games have already been played, particularly the interleague games from the across the division. And I say there's a lot, but you got to remember every team like. The AL East plays the NL East this year, so you yes. Know, but that's what I'm saying is, I feel like if I'm, I mean, correct me if you've seen something different, but um, if I'm correct, the vast majority of the interleague games that the NL East has played this year were the AL East. Who we yeah, are saying? I is, think that's because they. That's because like you only you don't only play AL East, but you play like a very high percentage of your interleague games are set to one division but yes i do agree i do understand what you're saying yes yeah like the reason that their numbers are dipping so much they they might perform better against the central the west in both the nl and the al than they are the al east but they have played a lot of games against the al east i mean what did atlanta end up oh and six or oh and seven against the Blue Jays this year. I think yeah, it was 0-6. Yeah, 0-6, I think. So they already they already got their entire year against Toronto out of the way. And that accounts for if they if you took that game those games out, that puts them at 500. Yeah. So that looks a lot that looks a lot better already. And I'm pretty sure they've played a couple other teams and lost. They played the Yankees, the Braves did, and they split a two-game series. Okay, so you take all of those games out, and you're back at 500. Okay, that didn't help anything. (laughs) Um, But you see my point is, for all these teams, it looks a lot better if you pull those AL East teams out. Also, I'm looking at this. Brandon, am I reading this correctly? That um, in terms of division run differential, they're up in like the 90s. The AL East, yeah, it's very they, strong. Very they get strong. up into they get up into the one tens without the Orioles, and the Orioles haven't been again haven't been playing that bad. They've only got a minus twenty three run differential, which isn't dragging them down terribly. No, and you know I think it is still a little bit too early to look at run run differential stuff too closely because you have a team like Oakland who is at minus eight. And they're on the top of their division. But we talked about this the other day. A lot of that is because of those first two series that they played against Houston. So 
you know, it is still very early. Um, like we're only 40 games in the season. We're essentially a quarter of the way through, like not even a quarter of the way through. There's still so much baseball left to be played that it's too early to really be doing like a full deep dive into all that kind of stuff. Cause it's going to change within the next week. I guarantee. So basically what he's trying to say is shut up LJ and move on to the next one. No, we got the Reds and the Rockies. The Rockies thought they had the game under control after a five run fourth inning, a four run Reds eighth inning set them up to win the game in the ninth Brandon with two runs one off a passed ball and one off a wild pitch. Your final will be 7-6 Cincinnati. Give the win to Sean Doolittle, the loss to Michael Givens, and the save to TJ and Tony! Hey, hey um, Tony. Brandon, I, I would be pulling my hair out if I was a Rockies fan right now. That, that would have been painful to watch lose that loss. Yeah, you know, physically, it would physically hurt me. But the Rockies have had a couple of comebacks this year. I mean, against the Giants, they had that what they scored six in the bottom of the eighth or in the bottom of the ninth, excuse me, to win a game. Uh, certainly not the worst, but yeah, but okay, Brandon, I think we had three separate games today that uh, the either walk off run or the, the go ahead run in the ninth inning was scored on a wild pitch. Yeah, it's it's this is certainly a weird day, but it just it makes me mad because pass balls and wild pitches, it's like the ultimate giveaway. I mean, speaking of giveaways, make sure you uh, check our Twitter page. We are doing a competition every weekday of the season. We will have a different MLB trivia question. We're trying to make them harder so Batflip doesn't run away with this competition, but we will actively update this to make this challenging as we go whoever has if you're the first player to in the competition to say the correct name each day you get a point whoever has the most points at the end of the season will win a belly up sports t-shirt as well as the first mlb daily t-shirt so make sure you can get there that's a value of like 42 bucks 45 bucks probably with shipping so you're certainly getting a deal here, so make sure you get in on that. All right. Yeah, where was I? Oh, yeah, self-inflicted wounds, giveaway, giveaway. That was it. Um, bad. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad giveaway. This is a bad giveaway by Colorado because, like, if you're a if you're a closer and you just like lot uh, throw slop jalop baseball down the middle. Yes, that's your fault that you're losing the game if you throw a, ter- a terrible, terrible pitch. However, the player at the plate still has to do work to get that a hit. Yeah. Still have to rely on other, other guys to do work here. I don't consider running from third to home with nobody in your way and very limited chance of having an issue being that much of a taking the game into your own hands. <laughs> This is almost entirely Colorado inflicting the wound themselves. Yeah. Uh, and with, with this next game I'm going to talk about, it's pretty much the same thing. It's, it's not good, these games. I mean, and these are games that obviously I don't think Colorado is going to uh, be in contention at the end of the year. But for we've seen a, a, a game like this for quite a few teams this year where 
when it comes to September and we're getting into the last parts of the, of the season, you're going to be like, damn, I really wish we had a couple of those wins back in April and May because we could certainly use them now. I mean, it just goes to show that while every game in like current time doesn't mean so much as we get to the end of the season, it's everything starts to just mean so much more. Mm. Yeah. Again, this is a game you wouldn't think about it. You've got 162 games. You figure the top, the pack's going to sort itself out by then, right? No, I mean, we see it semi-regularly now where you're having uh, tiebreaker games at the end of the season. Games are coming. Some of these division races come down to the very last day in some instances. So it's like this every, every single game counts and it's hard to get people that don't really watch and don't follow the full season to understand how a random game in may is actually going to have legitimate legitimate consequences on contending teams but if you're blowing games for yourself it's not a winning strategy towards the end going towards the end of the year speaking of blowing games let's get on to the royals and the white Sox. Bottom of the fifth, Adam Eaton with a two-run home run to make it 2-1 Sox. Top seven, Whit Merrifield ties the game with a single. Then a Carlos Santana sack fly makes it 3-2 Kansas City. In the bottom of the ninth, for the White Sox, Yohan Mankata steps up. He singles to tie the game at three. Yasmani Grandal is the next to step up to the plate with a runner on third. Pitcher Wade Davis of the Royals throws a wild pitch, allowing Jose Abreu to score the game-winning walk-off run. The White Sox complete the comeback in the bottom of the ninth and walk it off on a wild pitch to win 4-3. You can give the win to Matt Foster out of the Chicago bullpen. Uh, Dylan Cease with another very good start at home. Uh, Five and two-thirds, three hits, no earned runs for him. Wade Davis takes the loss. 0-2 on the year now. He goes two-thirds of an inning, allowing three hits and two runs. A Brady Singer got the start for Kansas City. Six and a third, seven hits, two runs. These two teams split a four-game series. The White Sox go to Minnesota. Dallas Keuchel versus Jay Happ. Next, we got Marlins Dodgers. Uh, After going down 2-0 early off of Barnes and Betts RBIs, Adam Duvall of Miami hit a three-run dinger in the fifth inning, your final 3-2 Marlins. Give the win to Pablo Lopez. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs. The loss will go to Edwin Uceta as the Dodgers do pretty much a bullpen day. And the save will be given to Yimi Garcia, his seventh on the year, Brandon, do we still doubt the Miami Jeters too much? I mean, doubt is is a strange word to use there because it's not like I'm doubting them, but they still are under 500 this year. Like you can't not see that. But to like count them out of any any game, I think you can't do anymore. They are not a Tigers. They're not a Rockies. They are not a Pittsburgh where every game against them now uh, is like, you know, there's no way you could pick them. They are a competitive team. I, I will say that they are a very competitive team. They are the only team in the NL East with a positive run differential right now, which just blows my mind. 
actually, yeah, currently they would be the, based on expected, they would be the best team in that division. Um, I wasn't necessarily meaning from a game perspective. I probably should be more specific. I mean the process because I feel like overall, first off, there was some warrant to questioning some of the very early decisions that were made when they decided to have the fire sale, the returns they got from the fire sale, particularly what they got from the Yankees. But like, I'm not trying to do this as a diss track on the Yankees. I'm not. Um, like there was some legitimate questions on this group's ability to run and build a baseball team with Jared, uh, especially having that extra spotlight and focus having Derek Jeter be so heavily involved on the baseball ops side of things that I feel like a lot of people just immediately assumed when things didn't look immediately to be sunshine and rainbows people immediately assumed that they had no clue what they were doing and that this was that Miami baseball was doomed to fail for years to come but I'm starting to actually see the direction of a team that isn't just waiting for a bunch of guys to get called up I mean all right, maybe maybe Baltimore isn't the best um, example of this, but maybe it's Chicago over the past couple of years before all of their guys started coming up where they weren't competitive at all. It felt like they were literally just waiting and trying to get as many of those prospects back. They're trying to get as many prospects while they waited for their prospects as possible, which just isn't a winning formula within th- a three, four year span. That's going to just keep, that's going to extend your rebuild more than it probably needs to. I mean, it just, by not bringing in competitive pieces and trying to see what you have. This Miami team, in contrast, has brought in and developed guys that weren't necessarily top 10, top 25 prospects. They've got some real starting, in particular, starting pitching talent on this team that really goes overlooked. Um, Paulo Lopez is one. You've got Sixto Sanchez, another a top prospect. Granted, as I was saying, not have a ton of them. Uh, he'll be coming back soon. I'm blanking on another guy's name that I really shouldn't be. Um, Sandy Alcantara. Thank you, Sandy Alcantara. Um, this is a good um, team. No, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody else, too. Oh, uh, uh, Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers. Thank you. Um, yeah, these are good, good names. They rejuvenate Jesus Aguilar's career after things kind of went stale in Milwaukee. Um, there's there's some really interesting names on this team, but they've built themselves something before they were supposed to. So I think we need to officially let those things it whatever didn't die of the does Derek Jeter Derek Jeter know what he's doing um thing all of those feelings if they hadn't died for you last year when they made the playoffs they should now all right uh let's move on to the A's and the twins bottom two Max Kepler with a three-run home run to make it three to one Minnesota in the top of the fifth, Oakland's able to come back. They get an RBI single from Sean Murphy, a fielder's choice that was able to net two runs due to an interference call. LJ, not sure if you saw this call, but basically there was a runner um, stuck in between third and home in a rundown. And 
the catcher threw the ball to the third baseman, so he turns back around to start running home, and the catcher is kind of in his way, and the base runner goes a little bit out of his way, hits shoulders with the catcher, and does an absolute, like, Marcus Smart flop job. Gets the interference call on the catcher, so he's awarded home base, but <laughs> home plate, excuse me, but, I mean, just... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. If, if there was flopping in baseball, that play would, would constitute it. It was... And he was back in the dugout showing his teammates that he was like, you know, I had to sell it a little bit, sell it, throw myself back. I, I'm, one of my favorite things in basketball right now that everybody likes to do is the second anyone touches anybody, even if it's like the semi-legal contact as like you're trying to drive to cut off the drive and guys start bobbing their head back and forth like they're getting hit a bunch of times, hoping to sell one of them. But in this case, Brandon, I did not see it. However, from the way you're describing it, it sounds pretty warranted. I mean, you make sure you get that call because if the catcher is at all in the way, you have the right to that baseline. You should be taking that baseline if he doesn't have the ball. I mean, Brandon, frankly, it's irresponsible on the catcher to, to be standing there, not because, not just because of the guy potentially having to get back or potentially coming through and him being in his way, but if this pickle keeps going on, the ball's eventually going to have to get to you. Like, after, yeah, you know, I mean, after you throw it, I mean, you got to follow you're supposed, your throw. You got to follow your throw. He should already be towards the third base. Um, third baseman at that point like he should be nowhere near the baseline he's got to be there already that's just a lack of hustle from him and he deserves every bit of ramifications he got well that uh so that interference call on that play the Oakland gets two runs Matt Chapman then hits a sack fly this is all in the top of the fifth and that sack fly makes it five to four Oakland in the top of the seventh, Matt Chapman steps up again, and he comes through with a single to make it 6-4 Oakland. Bottom of the eighth, one of our show favorites, Andrelton Simmons, with a clutch two-run home run to tie the game at six. You know, a guy who we have marveled about his, his defensive ability, but, you know, offensively, he can still do it. This clutch two-run home run ties the game at six, but then... Oh boy, top of the ninth. Matt Chapman strikes out, but with a runner on third base, it's a drop third strike due to a wild pitch. Ramon Laureano scores to give Oakland a 7-6 lead. 
a lead that they hold on to and win the third game today in which, like I said earlier, the walk-off or go-ahead run in the ninth inning was scored on a wild pitch. Oakland wins 7-6. You can give the win to Lou Trevino, now 2-1 and one on the year out of the Oakland bullpen. Taylor Rogers takes the loss for Minnesota, the one who threw the wild pitch. Oakland takes two or three. They have the day off, and then they host Houston. The Twins play the White Sox today. All right, Nats, D-backs. The Nationals got to Christian, Stephen Christian, for three runs in the first inning, and that's all they needed in possibly the most boring game of the year. The final was 3-0 Washington. Give the win to Eric Fetty. He went seven innings of shutout ball. The loss will be given, of course, to Stephen Christian, who only went one inning, allowing those three earned runs. And the save will be given to Brad Hand. Brandon, there was 12 combined hits in this game. No scoring happened after the um, first inning. I believe that was the bottom, bottom of the first or top of the first. Doesn't matter. I mean, that was still a long, long game without any scores. And from what I noticed, it was not a dominant pitching performance. I believe um, Fetty only had three or four strikeouts. So it's not like he was like absolutely throwing gas and just get, gunning everybody down. It was just no one was doing anything. Uh, yeah, so it was about six, it was six hits after that first inning. I have, because I happen to remember this game, found what I think was the most boring game of the year. Uh, April 9th, once again, the Washington Nationals involved. <laughs> they faced off against the LA Dodgers. LJ, not sure if, you're, if you remember this one, but it ends 1-0. 12 combined hits between the two teams. The only run... Scored on a Justin Turner solo home run in the bottom of the sixth. Hopefully you weren't up to get beer or to go to the bathroom during that at bat because that was literally all the action in this game. And yeah, only six strikeouts on the Washington side and 10, okay, 10 on the Dodgers side. Walker Bueller had six scoreless, but still. How many, how many strikeouts for Bueller? Bueller? Four. Bueller. <laughs> Um, four, four. All right, four for Bueller. What was the other side? Joe Ross had four and in five innings. That's no bueno. All right, that that probably is. This is a close second, and an argument. I think it's a very close second for one one reason and one reason only. At that point, they were still missing all of their COVID people. If I'm correct. So this was only I, only Washington's like fourth game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So they were missing all of the guys that had COVID, Bell, Schwarber. Yeah. A couple other significant offensive pieces. Lester, that, probably, that, that, that probably could have turned the tide in that game. Everybody's here for this game. Yeah. And they get four hits after the first inning. Yeah, that is no way. Bueno. All right. I got the last. I got the last two games here, and then we're going to do PPP leaderboards and then uh, a little injury segment as we haven't done that in uh, about a week and a half. Rangers and Astros. Alex Bregman opened up the scoring in the bottom of the first with a single to make it 1-0 Houston. 
top seven, David Dahl hits a home run to tie the game at two for Texas. In the bottom of the eighth, the Astros get four runs thanks to hits from Chaz McCormick and Miles Straw. Houston goes on to win 6-2. The win to Brooks Raley out of the Houston bullpen. Lance McCullers goes six scoreless, striking out five uh, for the Astros. The loss goes to Jolie Rodriguez out of the Texas Rangers bullpen. Two-thirds of an inning, four hits, four runs. The Astros sweep Texas in a four-game series. Uh, Houston has won six in a row. The Texas Rangers have lost six in a row. Uh, the Astros have the day off, then play Oakland, and Texas takes on the Yankees today. For the Indians and Mariners, Kyle Lewis and J.P. Crawford with RBI singles early to make it 3-0 Seattle. The Indians get two runs in the top of the sixth on a ground out and then a fielding error. But Seattle will hold on to win 3-2. You can give the win to Paul Sewell, who uh, was first to come in uh, for Seattle out of the bullpen. The loss to Shane Bieber, now 4-3 and three on the year. Uh, his second kind of uh, not fantastic start in a row. Uh, four and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, four walks, and seven Ks for Bieber. Kendall Graveman picks up his fifth save on the year. Seattle takes three out of four from Cleveland. Uh, really impressive for Seattle as they were kind of struggling a little bit. Cleveland was pretty much red hot heading into the series, and Seattle's able to take three out of four. Very impressive. The Mariners play the Tigers today. The Indians travel to L.A. to take on the Angels, and that will be Sam Henches uh, uh, towing the slab with Patrick Sandoval. Slowing, slowing the tab. That sounds like something Internet Explorer does. <laughs> it would still be loading. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's, it's still trying to make that joke, actually. So give it some time. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to the PPP for today, particular players people might care about. Uh, I actually have three. I got to put my third guy in here, LJ, but you have two. Um, I will go first as that way we can alternate and it will be uh, very symmetric, I guess. Um, actually, I'm going to take another one as well. So Perfect. Well, my first guy that I want to talk about is Aaron Judge. Oh, Aaron Judge. Um, look. All right, don't orgasm over Aaron Judge, please. This sounds like where you're going, and I just don't want to be in the room for that. Okay. So. Just think about your mom for a minute, and we should be good. Right. <laughs> so far this year, Aaron Judge, for people say, oh, well, he doesn't hit for batting average, and all he does is strike out. Well, he's hitting 298 this year. Oh, well, well, he strikes out so much, he can't be getting on base. He's at a 399 on base percentage. He's tied for the league lead in home runs. He's walked 21 times in 37 games. He only walked 10 times in 28 games in 2020. This is a guy who is legitimately now act. So I remember when you uh, were talking about um, – the potential AL MVP conversation. Well, first me and you were talking about it. Uh, and I said, Aaron Judge needed to be in that conversation. That was about th three weeks ago. Uh, what he's been doing the last few days, and honestly, last week, further solidifies that, that 
with Otani, with Trout, with Buxton, with J.D. Martinez, Aaron Judge needs to be considered for this award uh, at the current moment. I mean, he's putting up stats that not, there isn't a lot of guys out here, you know, putting up over a 1,000 OPS, which I'm going to uh, have a little trivia segment on in a few minutes, but yeah, I mean, all a judge's stat cast numbers back it up. He's one of the, he's always been one of the hardest hitters in the league. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm sure that this is coming off as a little bit of bias as a Yankees fan, but I mean, this guy is actually a top five player in the league when he's healthy. All of the stats indicate that you can take away his fantastic uh, rookie season. He's still top 10 in about every stat since 2018. Um, yeah. That's my Aaron Judge is awesome uh, talk for the day. Yeah, Brandon, honestly, this is, again, we will go over this. I think we should just kind of like carve out time and kind of ignore a lot of things after the race to Memorial Day is over to just look at literally every single thing we can during the end of episodes. But this is going to be one of them building our MVP group. And I had to put five together right now in no particular order. Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, Aaron Judge, Vladimir Guerrero, and Xander Bogarts. I think that's a fair group. No J.D. Martinez? You know, I mean, he did have that outfield assist today. I don't know. Um, (laughs) No, I, um, I, I'm going with Xander there. Again, I mean, I think realistically, when you look at him over the past three seasons, he's been a top, top, top player in the league. Actually, in a number of decent metrics, he has been better than Mookie Betts since Mookie, the end of Mookie's MVP campaign. Xander. Yes. Actually, doesn't surprise me. I mean, I... I, I remember reading an article saying that he's pretty much on track to make the hall of fame if he can stay at this pace absolutely i mean greatest shortstop in red sox history i mean it shouldn't surprise you he he's really he's turned the corner offensively and he you know it's that clear like i'm gonna lead by both in the locker in the clubhouse and on the field by getting on base not sweating it that's the thing it's like his power was not there. I believe, oh, what does he got? Does he have nine yet? Nine piss missiles? Um, yeah, nine piss missiles so far this year. But he barely had any piss missiles through the majority of um, the start of the season. I'm just trying to say that word as many times as possible at this point. But, um, yeah, he did, you could the way you're watching him, he didn't sweat that. Like a younger Xander Bogarts might sweat the fact that he wasn't like the power numbers weren't there. The homers weren't there early on. He's just trying to get on base. He's making good contact and just letting great form carried over the wall. So, I mean, this has really been a great care for him, but Brandon, you're right. Aaron judge has had a great year. Giancarlo Stanton also has had a great year. It's just finding a ways around the deficiencies of the, of a team that will bring great players from creating a very good team to creating a great team. I just wish that they could like both be hot at the same time. I mean, we saw Stanton basically putting up these exact same numbers that judge did this week, you know, last week, it's just, 
we can't get them both right at the same time, which honestly, I'm scared if they're somehow able to be a clicking together, hitting back to back in the lineup, and then you throw Voight in there as well. I mean, it's scary what they could be, but even when just the one of them is hot, uh, it's very fun to watch. Well, Brendan, what we don't talk about enough, and I didn't realize it, how bad it was until recently, is how slow the Yankees are. Oh, I, I could, I could, I could go for ten minutes on this one. Me, well, the fact that we're the only team that hasn't hit a triple yet, we still haven't hit a triple. Still, uh, how is that possible? Yeah, Brandon, we definitely should carve out a time for a little segment on that yeah. from you. But um, I saw at the stat, I'm kind of making up the numbers now, but I know for the fact Tyler Wade was the leader of the team this year and last year in terms of extra bases taken, which I believe is partially base running, partially stolen bases um, metric. And they've, they've ranked last in the league for the last or 28th currently this year, but seeing they didn't really make any different changes to their lineup, it's looking like it'll probably, they'll probably be last back to back years in terms of, speed speed on the base path if that's i mean again you're a power team you're selling out for power with these yankees that's kind of been their mo over the past couple of years so i i get that you're not going to find a lot of power teams with uh, our um, a lot of power 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 hitters with great speed tools however you got to find it somewhere because that's going to set you apart if you get if you get a absolute blast into the gap, that's going to give you a double odds are that's going to score the majority of runners, the majority of the time. However, it's those other kind of power hits that could be turned into something with good base running and fast base running that are going to set you apart from the pack. Yeah. I mean, I think a team that, that does that exceptionally well is the Padres. I mean, LJ, I don't know if you saw this, but, They've already stolen 41 bases as a team. The next closest team is at like 35 or something. Like they have a huge lead. And you think about all the power bats in their lineup. Like, yes, you have Tatis who does have speed, but a guy like Manny Machado is, I'd say, a power hitter. I mean, he's not very quick. Uh, Eric Hosmer is a power hitter. Will Myers is a power hitter. You know, but they're able to just find the speed. And not only are they the best uh, or have the most stolen bases, but they're the, like, most efficient base running team as well in the league. And, you know, for the Padres who, yes, they do have speedsters like Haseon Kim, uh, like I mentioned Tatis, but, you know, a team of their makeup really shouldn't be dominating in base running, but they just are. It's their philosophy they were talking a lot about it on on Sunday night baseball tonight but really an interesting that you know you can have a team like the Padres who I think is full of power hitters and then you have a team of the Yankees who is 100% full of power hitters and just they can be drastically different in in their base running stats yeah and honestly this is something I've come to um realize this year and we can talk about more in greater length yeah. when I would like to um, go on about Alex Cora at some point during the year, but this year has given me such a strong opinion on the fact that what happens in the infield 
matters the most overall. I think the infield on both sides of the ball is the biggest key. To me, infield defense wins you a lot, doesn't win you games nearly as much as it loses them, but it, lo- it loses games way more than outfield defense does. And as for offense, I mean, yes, you have, you kind of have to. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design get things down to um you have to get get hits into the outfield of course however smart base running smart not even just stealing bases but smart base running smart contact running um great good plate discipline especially i'm counting that in there too are such big keys to these good the best teams you see time and time again it's those like little simple things that end up making such a big difference. Yeah, LJ, so who do you have for the PvP? Oh, um, first, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, Mark Melanson. Um, he has now 14 saves on the year. I kind of just want to um, put that in perspective because we were talking about it a couple weeks ago when he was at like 11 coming out of April. The fact that like, He's at a crazy pace. It was like 55 save year or whatever. Um, that wasn't going to last long term. However, I thought it was going to be because at some point he was going to slow down. No, this is because the Padres haven't given him opportunities. The only reason that things have kind of stalled out to begin this month. I mean, this guy is just, this guy is doing what it takes to finish those games every single time he goes out there. It is by no means him uh, faltering that's kept him from getting saves. It's been the save opportunities. He's doing everything right this season and just needs to get a little more extra acknowledgement today. Give him a little love. All right. Uh, My next guy is uh, Freddie Peralta of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Another scoreless start for him today. Uh, LJ, his last two starts, uh, which was on the 11th and then 16th, so both this week, uh, 13 innings pitched, three hits, uh, 16 strikeouts, and no earned runs. LJ, he could, I think he could end up getting player of the week in the National League, but mm-hmm. more importantly, his season so far has been outstanding, you know. LJ, we talk a lot about on here the the uh, dynamic duo of Corbin Burns and, and Brandon Woodruff as starters. Freddie Peralta is 
up there with them this year. I mean, look at some of his stat cast numbers and you will be blown away. Top 1% in expected batting average, uh, top 3% in expected ERA, expected weighted on base average, top 4% in K percentage. I mean, he is striking out guys at an alarming rate for a starting pitcher and is also not allowing that much hard contact. I mean, 87th percentile on average exit velocity. Uh, the Brewers, I'm going to say it right now. I mean, we said they have the top, the best top two pitchers in the league. Right now, they have the best top three. And that's including the, the all right, it's tough. But this season, this season, just using this season stats, they have the, the best top three rotation obviously the la dodgers the padres maybe the mets when they're healthy are there but what the brewers top three have done this year you can't look anywhere else and find that same production and uh freddie peralta obviously a big part of that um can you read those freddie peralta stats again yeah uh top three in expected era or no did, did you have his like base stats yeah, sure. Um, so on the year, a 2.65 ERA. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Where is it? a 2.4 ERA? Uh, 69 strikeouts in 45 nice. innings and a 0.89 WHIP. Uh, um, 70 strikeouts in 45 innings is a crazy number for a starter. It is. I mean, I think this is something, again, I keep pushing things off to the times. We should probably make sure we write these down. That needs to be debated when we have more time. Um, I'm still taking the Giants right now. Okay. Um, Gosman, Gosman, Wood, and Desclafani, I just think the the bottom of those three matches up better against Freddy Peralta right now, even with all that um, Woodruff has done to keep them up there. Burns has done in his limited time. I think that goes out. And it also leads really well into my next guy here, Alex Wood, who's having a brilliant year, 1.80 ERA through five games, uh, 30 innings. He's got 17 hits, eight walks, and 29 strikeouts. Of course, not, not a great, not a big strikeout pitcher, but or yeah, but he's still getting the job done. Every single person in this rotation is getting the job done with the exception of Logan Webb, who has really good stuff. This rotation has been absolutely fantastic this year. And it leads me to question, Brandon, somebody of this group has to come out as a big time player from this. Like there's no way that unless they all fall apart at the end of the year, somebody's going to have to come out of the season looked at as a top 10 pitcher in the league, maybe with opportunity to be looked at even farther. And between the three of them, I can't figure out who it would be. I think I, I, if I had to choose quick, it, it would be Kevin Gosman just because they do have him on that qualifying offer, which is like $19 million a year and, He's been pitching like a $20 million pitcher, certainly. Yeah, I mean, again, that, that's certainly a safe pick, but you can you can see, you can make a case for each of them, I think is more my point mm-hmm. here, where 
they're all incredibly close to and all putting up brilliant, brilliant numbers. Same thing for Johnny Cueto before he got hurt was lights out. I think he could eventually find his way back under the three mark for at least a little while ERA wise. He's only at a 3.62 ERA currently. It's, it's great stuff we're seeing in San Francisco right now. All right, my last guy, I'm going to do this quick, is Kendall Graveman of the Seattle Mariners. He's been their closer this year. He just picked up his fifth save of the year and has now gone 16 and two-thirds of an inning without allowing an earned run. Uh, Has made appearances in 14 games this year. Uh, Amazingly, has only allowed six hits the entire season. Uh, in 16 innings, six hits and four walks across 16 innings. That puts his whip at a 0.54. Uh, and it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, this is a guy who has just kind of been a journeyman relief pitcher so far, but settled into this closer job and his expected ERA is there, top 10%, same with barrel percentage, exit velocity, Chase rate, he's in the first percentile, so he's got really nasty stuff. Strikeout and walk percentages are both very good. Uh, Yeah, he's been everything that that you could ask for out of that Seattle bullpen, which was a huge hole for them coming into this year. But it's nice to see that, you know, kind of that next man up mentality and has been pitching excellent. All right. Think we're all set. All right, uh, let's get on the leaderboards quick, and then we're going to do our injury segment. War for hitters. Oh. Do we want to drop that? Injuries? Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I I don't think that'll end us putting us at like an hour and a half. Yeah, no, we can can push it to tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we have a very short for even Monday tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, all right. Okay, so uh, I either will or won't cut out that conversation we just had. But as for the leaderboards, um, war for hitters, Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, both tied with 2.4. Ronald Acuna with 2.3. Vladdy Jr. at 2.2. War for pitchers, Garrett Cole in first with 2.8. Jacob DeGrom at 2.3. Burns at 2.0. Cole pitching today. Could be the first player with over three war. Home runs, we now have a four-way tie with 12. Ronald Acuna, Mitch Hanniger, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani. RBIs, Rafael Devers leads with 34. And then next one, uh, this is a little trivia I wanted to do for LJ. For OPS, there's nine players currently that have an OPS above uh, 1,000, 1.000. LJ, can you name as many of them as you can out of those nine? I would love to. Is that qualified or everybody? Uh, Qualified. Ooh, that makes things a lot harder. Okay, so... To be fair, there's only one guy who isn't qualified that probably sh- that should be there. Is Buxton qualified? He is not. No. So he's the one you're talking about. Yes. But Acuna is also not qualified. So he, he was been- qualified. He is qualified? Yes. Really? He's qualified for the leaderboards. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, scratch that. All right. So first off, 
I do want to say, Brandon, what do you think the odds are of him choking away the record, Cole choking away the record are tonight? Oh, I forgot about that. The strikeouts he, needs, to walk. he needs two strikeouts to break the record before he get, can walk somebody. Playing a piss-poor Rangers team who's lost six in a row, and, and Garrett Cole's been pitching the best he has in his life, yeah, he'll walk the first batter. <laughs> okay, OPS. So if Buxton's the only person that I should be guessing that does not qualify, I'm going to go with the rest of my four from the MVP. We got Trout, we got Vladdy, we got Bogarts, we got Martinez. I know for a fact Bogarts and Martinez. All right, so you got... Trout, Vladdy, Martinez, and Bogarts. That's four of the nine. Okay. Um, you have one left in the American League, and then the other four are National League. Um, Acuna. Acuna, okay. Um, How many wrongs do I – wrong answers do I get? You can just – kind of throw out names. names i'm trying to think of who i want i should probably just get this al name is it judge it is judge there okay. so you got the american league got the american league down that's the league i should definitively know so, um, um you now have six out of nine you're only missing nine. three and they are all from the same national league mm-hmm. division it's gonna be the west it is not the west not the west you're doing that to screw with me so it's the central South Central. Yeah. It is the NL Central. I will tell you that. So three guys from the NL Central with over a thousand OPS. Um, I'm gonna go with Aaron Nato's been hitting dingers lately. You know, that's a great guess. Um, he is not there. He is at 915, so Ooh. very close. Um, okay. I'm guessing one's from Cincinnati. One one of them is from Cincinnati. Is it, there's three is it, total players, though. Is it Castellanos? It is Castellanos. Now, I don't want to give away too much of a hint, but I will say that this other guy does wear a red jersey. One of the other guys wears a red jersey. Don't do this to me. You're asking me to name, to name teams now, and I'm going to choke under the pressure. Okay. Um, so one of them... Oh, it's... This is a real stretch. The safe pick is Goldschmidt. It's not Goldschmidt. I know it's not Goldschmidt because it's Tyler O'Neill. It's not Tyler O'Neill. I think I kind of threw you off. I should say it's it's not the Cardinals. Uh, okay. It's not the fuck. What the so, so you asked if... It's not the Cardinals? So you said for Reds. You said, is one of them a Red? And I said, yes, one of them is a red. That doesn't mean that another one is Okay, not Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, yes. All right, and now you're missing one last one from the NL Central. Uh, he's, been hot. he's been pretty hot lately. Like, kind of shot his name up the leaderboard when, like, you know, just quietly in a way. Oh. We talked about him yesterday. He's on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm, I'm not in the right direction. No, no a little cold. Um, You're going to kick yourself when if you don't get it, though. I'm going to. Part of the he issue is fourth in the league in OPS. 
only 10 points behind Acuna. Plays third base and outfield. Plays third base and outfield. Does that mean he's a red? No, only two reds. Okay. Castellanos and Winker was enough. You see, the trouble is, I can't name a Milwaukee Brewer right now. Well, it's our it's uh it's a Milwaukee Brewer, right? No. No. You are struggling. Who could I be forgetting? I'm trying to think of a hint, but yeah. like it would if if I mean, first of all, you haven't named the team yet, which like I haven't you, named the team. It's Chris Bryant. It is Chris Bryant. There we go. You got all nine. Very impressive, considering the only two two guesses you had that, or real three three guesses you had. The guy on the Pirates. I was going to assume you're going to say Adam Frazier or yeah. Brian Reynolds. I was saying Adam Frazier. Okay. Uh, you said Tyler O'Neill, which was not a bad guess because he has been kind of raking lately. You said Nolan Arenado, which was not a bad guess. Uh, yeah, really good job, Don. Surprised. Uh, also, I'm surprised Soto's qualified. Hasn't he had two IL since already? Yeah, except he he's not qualified. He's not over a thousand, I don't think. But you said he. You never guessed Soto. I never guessed Soto. No, the nine that you guessed, you got correct. Trout, Vladdy, Acuna, Chris Bryant. I, was, I, I, na- I named 12 names, and I wasn't correct on nine of them. So I'm pretty pleased. The one that uh, is very close is Bryce Harper at 997, and then Jared Walsh at 982. Those are guys who are kind of in, in range there. But, uh, yeah, Juan Soto at a 783 OPS. His expected OPS though is ridiculous. I mean, now where where is those where are those numbers not coming from? Because if you guys recall, we ha- didn't do it last Thursday, but we'll make sure to bring it up next Thursday. Um, in terms of good piece of hitting, him and Acuna were fighting for the top of that leaderboard, which would mean to me he's walking both a he's walking a lot and b he's hitting the ball hard. So where where's the number deficiency to get him under eight hundred? LJ, it is amazing. He's in the 98th percentile for walk rate, the 95th percentile for strikeout rate. And he's and got on pace, pace percentage of like 300. No, and his hard hit percentage is in the 81st percentile. He is just hitting it right at fielders, like all the time. I mean, his expected batting average is 320, and he's hitting 264. Doesn't help the friendly fantasy manager, does it? No. Uh, I mean, his exit velocity is, like, pretty much the same as it has been. His launch angle went down, which we saw help Mike Trout and Byron Buxton. And I just – this expected slugging percentage at 578 is disgusting. Like, that is filthy. But – yeah, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We did go a little bit long. We're sorry. We will have the injury report for you tomorrow. Uh, but that's going to do it for this one. Uh, thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, make sure you check us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. 
and then check LJ and I out on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora and at Brandon underscore Karam. That's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy your Monday, everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.